Thank you for tuning into the Michael Crane.live podcast. He is an entrepreneur and mentor with over 20 years of experience as a property investor, stock market trader, and office supplies industry expert. On his podcast, he invites fellow entrepreneurs and business owners to share their journey in business so you can learn and take inspiration for your own business and also motivate the next batch of entrepreneurs starting out on their business journey. And on today's show, we have Piers Mummery. He has over 30 years of entrepreneurial experience and significant expertise and operational skills across many areas and disciplines in business. He is the professional coach to entrepreneurs and an active board advisor. Peer is the UK managing partner for TechCXO, the on-demand executive advisory business that works with business owners and leaders of growth companies to advise and support teams to accelerate growth and drive business performance. As an experienced business leader and entrepreneur, Piers has tremendous experience in starting, building, and growing business in the UK and across the globe. In addition to running the UK operations for TechCXO, Piers also runs his professional coaching business under the brand Piers So. His experience includes creating a private tuition business, being the CEO for an IT business in the US, Chicago, founder and CEO of the world's first digital taxi top advertising network in London on the black taxis. Additionally, He has also managed the turnaround of a European telecoms business on behalf of a prominent US venture capital firm. And lastly, he launched a dot-com business and started early in his entrepreneurial journey building marketing agencies. As an active networker, business advocate and passionate enthusiast on behaviorism, He loves finding out what makes people tick. Wow. Piers, that is so impressive. Thank you for being on the podcast today to share your story. But what I want to ask you first, straight out of the gate, is try and sum up what I've just said in your own words. Well, I'd love to meet this guy. He sounds impressive. Um, good morning to you, Michael. And thank you so much for having me on your show today. Um, I really appreciate that. I guess to sum up myself, I'm a curious, believing explorer. You know, I, I I'm just have a curious mindset. I love to find out how things develop and grow and build and occur and why things happen. So that's my kind of... I'm just curious by nature. I also believe in kind of everything, you know, I'm very authentic and very real. So believability and I explore stuff, you know, I'm, it's a, it's interesting. I think when people refer to this word entrepreneur, you know, and being an entrepreneur, it's more of a mindset than a title. 
So it's not a state of being, it's not a rite of passage. It's just the way you think about things. You know, whether you are a mum with a young child, you know, you're an entrepreneur because there's no rule book. You know, everyone's different. You've got no resources. You just find a way to do it. So it's all about mindset, entrepreneurial mindsets and, and how that transposes into being true to yourself. So when you first started out, Piers, what mistakes did you make? Well, we've only got 40 minutes, so I'm going to have to sort of pricey it right the way down. But God, what mistakes have I made? Um, it's interesting. I, I, I don't tend to look at things in terms of, you know, mistakes. I tend to look at things, you know, just learning moments, you know, and I know that's a sort of, it's a reframing process. But um, I think the, the biggest thing which I learn through, through, all, through my journey is just the, the wisdom you gain through experience. You know, that old expression about not being able to put a, uh, you know, an old shoulder on young, sorry, an old head on young shoulders is very true because you have to go through that process and you have to um, go through the lows and the highs and experience success and experience failure and have all these experiences come together. So I don't think there are any particular things that stand out um, where I have no regrets, you know, because everything I've done is, is just all my some of the experiences brought me to where I am today so it's not necessarily a question of mistakes I don't think um I just see them everything that I do is a learning process it's an interesting one isn't it mistakes are they the same as failures uh are mistakes the same as failures um no I mean there's similarities between the two they're both learning experiences you know, and I mean, a lot of what I teach when I, you know, work with, with clients, particularly in the coaching process, is, um, is the concept of creating awareness without judgment. You know, we as humans tend to judge everything. And judgment is the, the enemy of authenticity, in my view, which I'll come on to perhaps later on. But when we label something as a mistake or we label something as a failure, you know, um, it's a judgment we're placing on something. And you know, what's to say that one person's failure is not another person's success? You know, so let's say I built a company and I wanted to sell this company for a hundred million pounds. If I sold it for 10 million, am I a failure? On the one hand, yes, because I didn't sell it for hundred million, but by comparison to what most people experience, to sell it for 10 million means it's a huge success. So I think it's perspective again. And I think this is where um, I, I try and encourage people as much as possible to reduce the amount of judgment they place on things. Just have awareness, you know, create a perspective because everything has different perspectives. You know, one person's truth is not true for everybody. You know, I do agree. Failures are only a personal perspective. But what do you think about failures, mistakes, in the raw essence, simply being a lesson, how not to do something, to achieve something different the next time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think one thing I've always been, you know, I'm, I'm very much about authenticity, which is acknowledge things that don't work out how you planned. Call it a mistake, call it a failure, call it what you want. Okay, just never deny reality. You know, so um, something I say, you know, if you're facing east looking for a sunset, it ain't going to happen. So make sure you're always facing in the right direction. And whatever comes at you, acknowledge it, because it's reality. Now, we, we talked a bit about reality, um, you know, how that bites and how that teaches us, you know, it grounds you, because that's real. I mean, in business, cash flow, cash flow is king. You know, when you run out of cash, you run out of cash, end of. You know, that's something you can't deny and you can't um, ignore that. So I think whenever we see challenges, uh, mistakes, you know, failures, call them whatever you want, acknowledge them. Okay, 
hold, hold it, understand what is it that I can learn from this? You know, what is it that I could reframe or I can change the perspective and what could I do differently to serve myself better, to serve other people better and achieve more? So it comes down to realigning your mindset to think in different ways. Would you agree with that? In part, I would, yes. I think it's, it, it's more than mindset because I believe in business we are uh, and society where we're conditioned around mindset a lot and there are challenges with that which is if you don't believe something, you know, and if it doesn't fit in your heart, it's not heartfelt, it won't have the same impact as a mindset. Yes, you know, you can power through with the right mindset and you can motivate yourself and be focused and disciplined and you, know, you can get yourself, you know, G'd up. But if you don't feel it, it doesn't happen. And as an entrepreneur, this is where I think the one thing I, I absolutely think you know, lives and flows through any good entrepreneur is passion. Passion is on a mindset. Passion is a feeling. You know, it's a belief. And when you can take something from your mindset and be in your heart set, that's where real power comes in. People don't perhaps sometimes acknowledge how powerful the heart actually is. Um, a, little, a little piece of information. You know, the heart is the only human organ that can't get cancer. That's how strong it is. That's how powerful it is. Every other organ can. You have brain cancer, stomach cancer, bowel cancer. But your heart, it's impenetrable. It's the most powerful organ in the body. So if you can develop something that sits within your heart as a belief, um, as a, um, a, a way of living, and it's heartfelt, you're unstoppable. So I think it's more about going from mindset to heart set, and that's all about authenticity. So what do you say about the people with the self-limiting doubt, the doom and gloom and despair sort of mindset? Because that's a common thread among an awful lot of people, I feel. It is. I mean, this is interesting. I, I did a webinar recently talking about um, energy leadership and the way that energy shows up in people. And you have two types of energy within, within our, our, our being, if you like. One is catabolic. And catabolic energy is a draining, um, sort of tearing down force and destabilizing and debilitating. And it typically revolves around a victim mentality, which is the lowest form, where people internalize things. And what you find there is lots of self-criticism, um, doubt you feel withdrawn you feel stuck um and that's where that sort of despair and doom and gloom you know, a lot of people go into that typically under pressure um there's another side of that um which is also the fighter mentality which is the sort of level two catabolic which is you know actually being combative and arguing full of judgment and resentment this happens an awful lot um it's not necessarily all bad because sometimes these are good you know, there's an advantage to being to playing that victim mentality, which is it's a, it, it's kind of your gremlins keeping you in a safe place. So we've heard of all heard of people who get so depressed they don't want to get out of bed and they pull the duvet over their head and don't want to come out. Okay, well, the mindset that goes with that is well, if I don't do anything, nothing can happen, and therefore I'll stay in a safe space. And actually, that's fine because that apathy and lethargy is is designed to protect you, but it doesn't achieve anything. So it all comes down to really. How much you want to achieve so if you want to push yourself forward playing the victim and fighting and being combative is not going to get you anywhere you've got to acknowledge what you're doing you've got to explore the possibilities and change the mindset and you've really got to believe in what you're doing do you think the majority of people are prone to help have this self-limiting doubt perspective or is that the minority of people I don't think it's either. I think we're, we're just biologically processed. I mean, it comes down to you know Freud's concept of flight or fight. You know, we either sort of get frightened and withdraw and go into ourselves, 
or we come out fighting, we go and achieve and do things. So we take action. So I guess it it, it comes down to the experiences that we've all had. Um, so our entire uh, belief system is driven by our experiences, um, and often right the way back to childhood. So I think in some cases it, it depends on the person, it depends on the experiences. Um, you know, I, I think the th there are some things in there which drive those desires more than others. Um, you know, one of them, you know, that hunger and that determination to have something, you know, that level of hunger will determine how much action you take or how much action you don't take. You know, what explains, for example, somebody who's come from a very privileged background, who's had everything spoon fed to them and given to them on a plate, but suddenly ends up becoming a drug addict. Drug addict. You know, that's, um, how do you explain that? You've had every opportunity, yet you failed. What's missing there is probably that hunger and that drive. Yet you get some people who've come from horrendous environments, you know, personally and, and house and family circumstances, and yet they go on to be hugely successful. And that's where hunger comes in, that drive, that, that sort of, I want to get away from that. So I think it, it depends on how you want to use that energy and how you want to direct it in where you want to go. And it comes down to goal setting and having a, an outlook as to where you want to be. If you're going to start again, Piers, what would you have done differently? Nothing, absolutely nothing. I mean, at a practical level, I mean, I left school at 16, no qualifications, university of life, and I could go back and say, well, I could have qualified this and I could have done that and done a levels and gone to university. But that wouldn't have made me who I am now. And I'm very happy with myself today. So I'm a great believer that I think the sum total of every experience that I've had in life has made me who I am today. And it's meant to be. So I have no regrets about that at all. You know, going back some years ago, one of my favourite quotes was this. If only I knew then what I know now. What do you wish you knew then what you have learned right now today? It's a great question, Michael. I think I would probably, for the purpose of practicality, there, there are two things I think I would probably tell my younger self. One is to have started earlier because time is that enemy which we cannot escape, um, you know, Everyone gets old, everyone dies, but you know, do things when they when you can. So don't put up, put don't put stuff out. Take action right here, right now. Um, would be would be definitely one. I think the other is probably to have maintained a stronger balance of everything in life. So when you recognise what's important to you, and different things are different, uh, important to you at different stages in your life. So when you're a teenager, all that's important to you is boyfriends, girlfriends, music parties, and mates not really interested in the wider world out there um for some people it's not some people it could be education i mean who, who knows but i find um you know you sacrifice and compromise things so as an entrepreneur i've sacrificed a lot you know i sacrifice um, finances i sacrifice family and friends uh, relationships because i put everything into business so i think possibly having a wider balance on things and making sure that you recognize what's really truly important to you and I think the one thing that I've always kept very strong to myself is relationships. You know, I've got very deep, very long, meaningful relationships going back 50 years. Um, that's what's important because that's something you can't just manufacture, you can't create. You know, lifelong relationships are, are a gift. Totally agree. You know, recently we spoke about, and you said to me that sometimes to be successful, you first need to accept the reality of your situation too many people say i want to be wealthy or i want to run a marathon and they just expect it to just happen in this situation 
What do you advise? Well, um, well, you cannot escape reality. That's number one. It bites, right? Um, it bites, absolutely. I mean, I, read, I just read a blog recently about um, why elephants can't be penguins. Or yeah, penguins can't be elephants, one of the two. But the point being that some things are meant to be and some things are not meant to be. Um, and, you know, we're all given a set of um, opportunities and explore those opportunities. But be real, you know, be re somewhat realistic. I mean, of course, they say shoot for the stars and you might hit the moon. And I think that's great. But, you know, not everything is possible. So, you know, the expression I use again, which is if you're looking east facing for a sunset, it's not going to happen. So, you know, I'm, for example, I'm 54. And there's no way that I'm suddenly going to become, you know, the 100-meter world champion in, a, in running. Just impossible. You know, I'm, I'm just not biologically built to be able to do that. And I think we all have to recognize our, our limitations just in very general terms. But, you know, use your experiences around you, use your environment around you to spur you on to what you can do. You know, so focus your energies on what you really think is possible. So sort of balance, I think the advice I give to people is balance ambition and aspiration with reality and practicality. Don't sacrifice everything. You know, it's quite clear that you can't train to run a marathon if your training consists of sitting on the sofa. So why do I see 90-year-olds competing in the London Marathon? Probably because I think as you get older, you tend to compete more with yourself than others. I think as we get older, our ego diminishes. And when you're young and you know, enthusiastic and driven, um, you, we live in a very competitive world. So we're always trying to compete with, our, with other people around us. And we externalize that, that ego. Um, as you get older, we tend to internalize more. We lose the ego. We become more accepting of ourselves and more peaceful and more calm. And people who, who are, you know, mature people who go off and do, whether it's an extreme sport or whether it's, um, you know, marathons, jumping in airplanes, call it what you want. They do it often for a variety of reasons, but most of them are driven by personal desires, things I maybe missed out on when I was younger, um, wanting to see whether I can push myself. But they're not often external factors, they're more internal factors. Does that come down to your planning or does that come down to your gut, gusto and goal? Both really, but I, th I think, you know, if you're going to approach anything, I mean, do it, uh, you know, with absolute gusto, gut feeling and total belief and passion. Um, otherwise, there's no point in doing it. I mean, don't dabble at something. If you're, you know, for a 90-year-old person to run a marathon, that's a challenge. There's no question. You've already got to give, it, give that your all. You can't just suddenly wake up one day and say, I'm doing it and go and do it. You've got to plan for it and prepare for it and so on. But you've really got to believe it. And I think that's the key is, you know, it's, it's anything that you do, give it your all. You know, may, whether you succeed or fail or, you know, whether it's right or wrong, as long as you can look at yourself in the mirror and honestly say, I gave that my best shot. That's all you can ever ask. You know, you ever ask someone to do their best. So let's take a look at a young entrepreneur right now who says, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time they reach 25. And they don't have a set of goals and plans to achieve that wealth. Where does reality bite in that situation? Well, when they don't achieve the objective. And that's, that's the most obvious one. So, um, you know, there's that expression, which is, you know, a person going nowhere normally gets there. You know, it's one, one surety. So, of course, having a plan and having some sort of set of guides to get to where you want to get to is very important. Um, but I think it's, um, 
It really comes down to sort of looking at what, you know, what drives your beliefs and you know, where you want to go in life. Um, if money is your motivator, that's fine. That's, that's great for one person, but it might not be for another person. And I think, you know, goals and, and values will change over time. Um, but equally, you've got to adapt your resources and your plans and your, um, your direction to suit the goals that will change. But I think the bottom line is, you know, for anyone wanting to go anywhere in life, have a goal, have some direction, have a plan. You know, if you say, I mean, the most silly example, but like going on holiday, you don't wake up and say, right, let's go on a two-week holiday and just suddenly walk to the airport. No, <laughs> you book it, you plan it, you have a hotel, you know, how you get from the, ho from the home to the hotel, from the airport to the hotel, and so on and so on. So, you know, you have a plan of what to do, where you're going to go, what you're going to eat, what clothes you're going to pack. It's exactly the same with the business. You know, if you want to go off and be a multimillionaire, fantastic. Go and have a great time and do it. But there is a process to get to that. One of which is just damn hard work. And having a well-defined destination always works when you're wanting yeah. to go on holiday. <laughs> Absolutely. And on that note, Piers, we are going to take a very short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the story. We will be back. Piers is a guy who is not afraid to challenge your thinking. He has a wonderful blend of compassion and assertiveness and makes you think about what really matters in life and in business. He is a master of authenticity and inspires confidence. If you are looking for help and support from Piers, the entrepreneur's coach, you can learn more on his website, www.peersco.co.uk. And we are back for part two of our podcast here with serial entrepreneur Piers Mummery. Piers, do you think entrepreneurs are not realistic in their approach to business? No, I think everyone's approach is, is absolutely fine because it's their journey and it's based on what they believe. And ultimately, you know, my experiences work for me um, and it's what I want to do. So why would, it, why would I think it's not correct? So people will do what they will do because that concept of how you do anything is how you do everything. You're the sum total of your experiences. And I think that's a very powerful thing. So everyone's journey is unique um, and everyone should be supporting everybody else. So when you're starting out on your business journey and you've got a dream, are you thinking small dream or huge, massive dream? unrealistic dreams i think it depends on on the person i mean in time I mean, and i love the fact we've got such a huge variety of people out there so if you look at elon musk for example his dream is to live on mars that's his dream that's what he will do you know the whole idea of you know him building spaceships and rockets and like that's all just a means to an end he wants to live on mars yeah that's uh that's a hell of a dream you know now the vast majority of people when you start out with that dream say that's unrealistic um, Richard Branson started an airline, you know, a lovely story about how he started it. You know, he chartered an aeroplane when there was a delay and he said, I'm going to go and build an airline. Um, he already had a very successful business that people thought he was crazy. But then you find somebody who's been a plumber for 20 years, um, works for somebody, the company goes bust, they start their own plumbing firm and it's a nice lifestyle. And that's their dream and that's their goal. I think these are all relative to the individual circumstances. So, you know, your dream is your dream and it'll always be the right dream for you. But going back to your example about Elon Musk, imagine Elon Musk at 20 years of age and you were his father 
And then you said to him, son, what do you want to do when you get older? And he said to you, dad, I want to go and live on Mars. What do you say to him? Good luck to you. Well, you know, I mean, I think that this comes back to what I was saying earlier about judgments. You know, we all place judgments on things. And yeah, who am I to hold back somebody's dreams? Who am I to quash their dreams? And it's a very extreme example with Elon Musk, but the re the general reality was most people, as a parent, would say, be a bit more realistic. And that's the <laughs> problem. Exactly. Yeah, reality bites and we try. But it, this is all a social construct. You know, so this is what society tells us we can and can't do. You know, this is all mindsets. When you go to work, you know, when you're growing up, I mean, example, when you're born up to the age of five, everything is an abstract, everything's creative. You're using the right, right side of the brain. So it's painting and colours and shapes and you know, imaginary friends and you play with things and toys. And, you know, kids get more excitement out of the packaging of a, of a toy rather than the toy itself because they're using the abstract left, right brain thinking. As you go to school, left brain kicks in. And the whole society builds this construct which we can and can't do. You're taught what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, you know, what to do, what not to do, rules, regulations. And that just throws all the way throughout our careers and our, our life journeys. People who can escape that and are lucky enough to escape that um, get the benefit of having that freedom of, of being, you know, that sense of actually, you know, not in a rebellious sense, but actually just saying, you know, why do I subscribe to what's right or wrong? Why do I subscribe to what's good or bad? Because actually, at the end of the day, what's good or bad for me may not be good or bad for somebody else. You know, what's true for me is not somebody else's truth. Let me give you an example. Scientifically, I could probably prove to the majority of people that the Earth is round, okay, because we all seem to think that it's round, apart from the 300,000 people that believe it's flat, because there's a flat Earth society, it's got 300,000 members. So what is true for them is not the truth. We all have different perspectives, and, all, and I think it's really important just to be um, very aware of this. You know, one of the expressions I use a lot is nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. If you don't give something meaning, it can just be, because it just is. And if that's your dream, you know, your dream, make that dream your reality. Who am I to turn and say you can or can't do that? It's only society that plays this contract. And I see this in the business world a lot. You know, um, when I work with executives, we often are encouraged to use a mindset rather than a heart set because, you know, business is not supposed to be personal. It's just business. So it's all got to be mechanical. It's all got to be brain thinking. It's all logic. It's analytics. It's KPIs. It's, you know, metrics. But the reality is we're human. Okay. So when you actually dig deeper into that, what people really believe, when you believe your boss is an arsehole, okay, that's what you feel. You can't say that to the person, of course. But that's what they feel. And that's what they believe. They're therefore not being authentic to themselves. And the reality is disconnected, which is why there are so many people who are unhappy in work, because people are forced to do things. You're pushed in, you're squeezed into a box when you don't want to be in that box. So I think the ability to liberate yourself and step outside that box and take control of your own life. Yeah, live life on your terms. Why would you not? Do entrepreneurs typically go it alone? Or do they need teams and people around them? <laughs> Great question. I think <laughs> they perceive that they go alone, but actually they don't. No entrepreneur, myself included, can lay a testimony that I've done anything that hasn't involved other people, whether that's my friends, my family, my children, my wife, my partner, my, you know, 
uh, the managers I work with, it's a whole variety. You have stakeholders as an entrepreneur, depending on the type of venture you want to build. You know, so even down to the example of the plumber, you know, the plumber is not successful if the plumbing shop that he buys from is run out of stock. So he's reliant on that person to be part of that person's team. Equally, I've built businesses where I've had investors and I need an investor to be my partner. You know, I'm, I need that person, I need their investment in my business to be successful. And equally, they need me to run that business to make their money work for them. So it's a symbiotic relationship. And I think you ought to be appreciative that actually on your journey as an entrepreneur, you have an ecosystem around you, which is absolutely a necessity. If you try and do something alone, you, you probably will struggle. I couldn't agree more. There is a great book called Rocket Fuel by Gino Wickman that outlines the difference between the entrepreneur and the integrator and how the integrator powers up the entrepreneur to achieve great things, typically his vision. So in your opinion, Piers, who would you name as a modern day entrepreneur and why? Well, yourself, Michael. <laughs> You're a modern day. I mean, you know, I don't, I mean, gosh, there are so many entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, and many of these are behind the scenes entrepreneurs. Um, so I think if you take away the sort of the publicly uh, stated entrepreneurs, the Alan Sugars, you know, Richard Branson, Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, you know, there's a host of entrepreneurs out there. Um, you know, and again, I think, remember that for me, an entrepreneur is more of a mindset and a way of being um, rather than a job title. So, yes, you know, I refer to myself as an entrepreneur. But, you know, a mother at home with a newborn child is an entrepreneur. You know, um, a nurse doing an, on an A&E crisis um, ward is, is an entrepreneur. You find ways to do things. An entrepreneur finds a way to do things often with little to no resource because you're just determined to find a way through it. So I think I, I try and take entrepreneurialism in the, the widest context and I don't tend to say that person is the role model or that person is the role model because we're all entrepreneurs in different ways. We all lead ourselves based on our desires and our aspirations. I've had many conversations with friends, peers about this question. And typically people know more entrepreneurs in the US than they do know here in the UK. Why do you think that is? Well, the obvious one is the sort of per capita. I mean, the US has got 330 million people and the UK has got 60 million people. Yeah, so, so it's a bigger place, obviously. Um, I think also there is, I mean, having lived in, I lived in the US for a couple of years, and there is a cultural mindset in the US, which is a little bit more can-do. You know, they have, a, they have a real determination and a drive, and it's sort of almost, <laughs> dare I say, it's the sort of... Um, um, it's the vibrancy of youth because America is still 300 odd years old. You know, it's not a particularly old country. So it's got that young, you know, growth mindset. Um, whereas the UK and Europe, we're a bit more uh, stable in our long-term thinking. We've been around for several you know, thousands of years. Um, so we kind of, we're a bit more stayed in our thinking. Um, we have a sort of, I don't know, a deeper level, maybe a more considered approach. Whereas America has this land of opportunity, it's a bit more gung ho, but of course that has good things and bad things. You know, it brings with it challenges, but it also creates opportunities. Um, America is very much a meritocratic society, so you know you will you can do very well, but you're judged based on your abilities, um, and those who do do, and those who don't don't. Can it come down to the fact that the American people, for example, don't have healthcare or their social security isn't as good as here in the UK? 
and therefore people have to work much harder at being good to make a great living. Would that come down to an element? Gosh, I mean, it could do, I suppose. Um, I've never really looked at it in that fashion. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't think like that. Um, you know, it comes down to anything you want in life, you've got to go and get it yourself. Very little is handed to you on a plate. And I think the sort of um, the countries that tend to rely on different kind of welfare system um, can struggle because people become quite com you know, comfortable with that and quite, you know, complacent. That's my point. Yeah, I, I think actually, you know, there's, I mean... Uh, Life is made up of, I mean, I, I believe, you know, that life is, your life is controlled by the decisions you take, not the conditions you're in. And the decisions we take are often driv driven by the conditions. So, you know, if I want to move out of a poverty mindset, I've got to make a decision to do that. So the decisions that you take in the moment are the most important things for you. And it just comes down to, do I, well, how bad do I want this? What am I prepared to do to, to go for it? If I want a nice life, I've got to go for it, but it's going to take some, some, some time and effort. Can anyone be an entrepreneur, in your opinion? Yes, 100%. Um, but there are different types of entrepreneurs. You know, could everyone be Elon Musk? No. I mean, that, that's an obvious one. But um, I think the problem is to try and um, identify about being the entrepreneur that serves you and serves others to the best effect, rather than trying to be like somebody else. We tend to, you know, I, I coach a lot around authenticity because to me, it lives for a very comfortable existence when you can feel good in your own skin and I'm not you know, hurting anybody else. I'm just being myself and doing what I do because I really passionately believe in that. What sometimes prevents that from happening is judgments and judgments are both good and bad. You know, so we, we limit ourselves often with that sort of thought process about I can't do this because I've got these limiting beliefs and the imposter syndrome and I'm not good enough. And then there's sort of people can flip the other way into arrogance, saying I can be the king of the world and I can do this and I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Um, yeah, neither of those are right or wrong. There's different perspectives. Um, but the common thing is you both can be entrepreneurial mindsets. One can be more advanced than, the other, than another. But yes, you can. everyone can be an entrepreneur. You just find a way to do things. What's your definition of an entrepreneur for clarity? Somebody who finds a way to do something, often with little to no resource. And do they need to have gone to university or best not? Because we know Alan Sugar didn't go to university and you mentioned that you didn't go to university earlier. Me too. Well, there you go. <laughs> the, the answer is in that question. And on that note, thank you so much, Piers Mamoui. If you have enjoyed our podcast show today... You can learn more about Piers on his website, www.peerso.co.uk. And if you want to hear more from the world's leading thought leaders and entrepreneurs, just hit the follow us button now. Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.